This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Enduring Joy in This Life. In the first half, Jose A. Teixeira and Sharon G. Samuelson share their addresses, How to Have Joy and Fulfillment, and Treasure the Day. Then in the second half, David A. Bednar speaks on That They Might Have Joy. It is good to be here with you this morning. I hope to share a few lessons and principles that will help you find joy and fulfillment in life through making inspired decisions and setting wise priorities. Sister Teixeira and I were both born in Portugal, though she spent her childhood in Africa. I'll come to that part of the story a little later. Portugal is a country founded in 1868 A.D., with a rich history and culture situated in the westernmost part of Europe. We have lived all most of our married life outside of Portugal, though, primarily in Germany, but also in France and in Switzerland. Because of my professional career that took me to these places before I was called to full-time service in the church, our three children, the youngest of whom is here with us today, were born in Portugal, Germany, and France. They studied in Switzerland, Germany, Brazil, while we served a mission in Sao Paulo, Portugal, England, and in the United States. And the two boys served missions, one in Tokyo, Japan, and the other in New York City. So after this very brief introduction, you might be saying, wow, that is a lot of places and a lot of change. Indeed, I am sure you can imagine that as we lived in all of these countries, we have faced with many decisions and choices, what we needed to do, which direction we should go, and how to set priorities in order to find joy and fulfillment, both individually and as a family. The same will be true for each of you. In your own unique way, you will undoubtedly have to make decisions and choices and set priorities that will shape your lives. Part of the impression I want to leave with you today is that making inspired decisions and setting wise priorities, it's a matter to be considered at all stages of your life, but particularly at the stage you are in now. Your priorities of today will be the joy and fulfillment of tomorrow. Some additional context might be useful to illustrate what I'm trying to share with you. So let's start with my own country. The location of Portugal on the Atlantic Ocean has influenced many aspects of its culture and its way of living. Portuguese people have turned to the sea over hundreds of years to find prosperity and wellness. Prince Eri, the navigator, the fourth child of the Portuguese King John I, founded a state-of-the-art navigation school in the 1500s. He was responsible for the early development of the Portuguese exploration and maritime trade with other continents. This began with Africa in the first place, 
and continued with the first substantial exploration of the northeast coast of South America and culminated with Vasco da Gama's discovery of a sea route to India in the Orient. Prince Henry was a key figure in the early days of the Portuguese Empire. Anna, our daughter, is seen here pointing at this 170-foot compass rose which adorns the square in front of the Monument of Discoveries in Lisbon, Portugal. The site is dedicated to the explorers who opened the main routes of the Portuguese expansion between the 15th and the 16th centuries. This era caused many Portuguese people in subsequent generations to connect with new parts of the world. For example, in 1909, the Portuguese king Dom Manuel II, by royal decree, appointed the grandmother of Sister Teixeira as a teacher of the Portuguese language in Angola, then an African colony of Portugal, which was founded in 1575. Sister Teixeira's father, Arnaldo Teles Grillo, graduated from the University of Lisbon, Portugal, as an engineer. He began his career with the National Agency of Agriculture and later went to Angola, where he became a successful executive in a Portuguese bank and led its operations there. As a result, Sister Teixeira spent a great part of her childhood in Africa. Life in Africa was wonderful for her and full of joyful experiences. She had the love of immediate family and extended family around her and all the comforts that life can provide until suddenly a war emerged. Her family found themselves in the midst of an unstoppable conflict that ultimately caused them to return to Portugal and leave behind all of their abundant possessions. Despite the confusion and the turmoil generated by a war that gradually consumed all peace and stability during their last months in Africa, Brother Grillo helped a friend escape the war by giving him a reliable car he had recently purchased at the Mercedes-Benz factory in Stuttgart, Germany. Ironically, of all the possessions that Brother Grilu and his family acquired and left behind in Angola, including homes, art pieces, and one of the largest private collections of books that exist in that country, the only possession that returned to him in Portugal was the one he gave away for someone in need. Yes, his friend shipped his Mercedes-Benz back to Portugal from South Africa with a note of thanks saying that Brother Grilus' love and compassion saved his life and the life of his mother. Sister Teixeira and her family returned to Portugal after this tragic war to find one of their most precious blessings. The missionaries began to teach them the message of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The teachings of the plan of salvation made an impression on her and her family. They had many other priorities at the time, including reorganizing their lives after the recent tragic events. 
Yet, they decided that their greatest priority was to do those things that would enable them to return to their Heavenly Father. They were baptized and later traveled to Switzerland to be sealed in the temple. So here is the first lesson I want to share with you. Our most important priority will always be to do those things that will enable us to return to our Heavenly Father. I, on the other hand, grew up in the city of Coimbra, a preserved medieval riverfront city in central Portugal, which has been home for the historic Coimbra University since 1537. It is one of the oldest universities in continuous operation in the world, and certainly the oldest in Portugal, and one of the country's largest institutions of higher education and research. Built on the grounds of a former palace, the university is famed, among many things, for its Baroque library and its bell tower, which is now part of the UNESCO World Heritage List. When I was a boy, my father worked at the university, and we lived next to campus. I spent much of my free time playing on the grounds of this incredible and fascinating place. Its walls, doors, classrooms, plazas, and libraries are witnesses to hundreds of years of learning, discovery, and tradition. In the summertime, during school break, I was allowed to access the library of the Faculty of Arts, and it became a tradition for me to go to the library to read good books. In fact, I discovered that the library had the entire collection of my beloved Asterix, Looky Look, and Tantan comic books. <laughs> Close to the university lies the 12th century Romanesque cathedral. During my youth, I walked through the cloisters of that structure on an almost a weekly basis. There, I followed hundreds of years of tradition and obtained the religious education then available to me. When I was 16 years old, my family and I met the missionaries and began to learn about the message of the Restoration. Our desire to join the Church was met with fierce opposition from close friends. But the message of the Restoration and the plan of salvation changed our perspective of life, and we all decided to be baptized. Later, we too traveled to the Swiss temple to be sealed as a family, in spite of the persistent opposition of others. So here is the second lesson I want to share with you. Popular views or the conduct of others should not deter or constrain us from doing what we know is right. Our choice to believe in Christ and the priorities we set to live according to His teachings are central to a life replete with joy and fulfillment. The fable of the birth and the traveling men contains the final lesson I want to share with you today. So here it goes. A bird was flying, looking for food, when he saw... On the path, 
a man, a traveling man, with a box of fresh worms. The bird thought to himself, I could talk to him and ask him from one of those worms. Resolutely, he flew closer to the traveling man and asked him the question, Could you give me one of your fresh worms? The traveling man replied with a long face and said, Yes, but with one condition. What is that condition? asked the bird. Well, I will give you one of my fresh worms if you give me one of your feathers. The bird thought to himself, Well, this seems to be a very good deal. I have many feathers, and this fresh worm is so delicious. He then reached underneath his left wing and took a tiny feather. Ouch! <laughs> a small pain, <laughs> but soon forgotten with a free meal. Well, the next day, the bird was looking for his nourishment as he usually did every day. And what happened? Oh, yes, the traveling man shows up again with a box, with fresh worms. The bird, without much thinking, decided, I am going to talk to him and ask him again for another worm. He flew closer to the traveling man and asked, Could you give me another worm? The man replied, You know the condition. I'll give you a worm if you give me one of your feathers. Sure, one more feather will not make a difference, rationalized the bird. He then reached under the right wing and pulled another feather. Ouch! <laughs> it hurt again. But with a delicious free worm, that pain was soon forgotten. Well, the fable continued. Every day there was an encounter between the bird and the traveling man. And at each of these encounters, a worm, a feather. A worm, a feather. A worm, another feather. <laughs> Unfortunately, the fable does not have an happy ending. What do you think? Do birds need feathers to fly? Oh, yes. A bird is designed to fly, and birds' feathers are essential for flight. In the last encounter, says the fable, with a traveling man, the bird traded his last feather. But this time, says the story, the bird became prisoner of the traveling man. Now, figuratively speaking, do we have feathers as well? Spiritual feathers? Yes, spiritual feathers are essential for our spiritual well-being. The things we believe to be true are the precious feathers that will allow us to reach our divine potential. If flight feathers are damaged or lost, a bird cannot fly. Likewise, if we trade our beliefs for worldly pleasures, we jeopardize our capacity to fly. Jesus taught, Seek not the things of this world, but seek ye first to build up the kingdom of God and to establish His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. From this very pulpit, President Russell M. Nelson, our dear prophet, said, speaking of our Heavenly Father, 
He cares that you have the obedience and self-discipline needed to maintain your identity and to honor your highest priorities. The way you use your time reflects your priorities. Remember, where your art is, there is your treasure also. The things you spend time on are the things you value the most. I know that you want to have joy and fulfillment in life. Remember these lessons of today and you are more likely to have that joy and fulfillment both in good and challenging times. So let's review these three lessons once again. Number one, our first great priority is to do those things that will enable us to return to our Heavenly Father. Number two, popular views or the conduct of others should not deter or constrain you from doing what you know is right. And finally, keep all your feathers so you can fly. Keep the commandments of God. When we love God and we put Him first in our lives, everything else falls into place. When we extend that love to those around us, we find joy and fulfillment. I bear my testimony to you, my humble testimony, that Heavenly Father wants to bless you with joy. And as you follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and the words of His prophets, you will be guided to a joyful life. I testify that as we deepen our understanding of the Savior, we will have an increased desire to live joyfully. And we will have a conviction that joy is possible. I bear this testimony and my invitation to all of you to keep your feathers, to live the commandments of God, and I promise you, you will have a joyful life. And I do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Finding Center. We've just heard from Jose A. Teixeira. And now we'll hear from Sharon G. Samuelson for her address, Treasure the Day. Today is January 8, 2008, and the beginning of a new semester at Brigham Young University. I always look forward to the start of a new year with great anticipation, wondering what the days will bring as the year unfolds. I do know that this beautiful campus will be filled with the excitement and activity that always occur when you are here. Each day can provide experiences that can make your time at BYU the means to achieving your goals and the righteous desires of your hearts. Each of you has taken a different pathway which has resulted in your attending Brigham Young University. You have come from all over the world and represent many different nations and cultures. For some of you, it is your first time at BYU. For others, this semester is a continuation of your schooling at this institution. I believe that the Lord has, in His loving and caring way, opened the door for you to enter this university. The Lord has told you that He will open doors to bless your lives if you remember Him. In Revelation 3.8 we read, 
Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. It is now your opportunity to immerse yourselves in the BYU experience and take advantage of all that is available for you in learning things spiritual and temporal, serving and caring, and enhancing your testimonies of the teachings of the Savior whose birth we have just celebrated. The Lord has stated that He will continue to open doors for you if you remember Him and keep His commandments. Brigham Young once said, Education is the power to think clearly, the power to act well in the world's work, and the power to appreciate life. I am especially drawn to the last part of his definition, the power to appreciate life. When my husband and I were first married, he was an undergraduate student with the goal of attending medical school, and I was teaching sixth grade. His classes, part-time work, and studies obviously took most of his time. My obligations with work and spending evenings doing all that was necessary to fulfill my teaching responsibilities also took many hours to complete. Once we included our Church callings, we didn't have much time together during the week. I found that I was always looking forward to Friday evenings when things would become not only more relaxed, but we could have some time together, and also a little, very little, social life during the weekends. I always seem to have the thank goodness it's Friday mentality. On Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, I was always looking forward to the weekends and thus not really enjoying those days. I was happy on Friday nights, Saturdays, and Sundays, and a little depressed on the weekdays. However, one day something occurred that caused me to see this negative outlook in a new light. I can't recall what caused this change in my attitude. But I was struck with the thought that by wanting the weekdays to pass by quickly and always looking forward to the weekends, I was wishing a very important part of my life away. I realized that my time now was valuable and I should appreciate every day, not wish it away. After all, I didn't know how many Mondays through Fridays I had in my future. Time passes quickly enough, and because I wanted it to do so, I did not take full advantage of some valuable opportunities and experiences that were available to me. Concerning the days of your lives, Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, They are of the least pretension and of the greatest capacity of anything that exists. They come and go like muffled and veiled figures sent from a distant, friendly party. But they say nothing, and if we do not use the gifts they bring, they carry them away silently. I still can vividly recall the time I realized that I should savor and treasure each day and be thankful for and appreciate life. I somehow realized that each day is a gift from a loving Heavenly Father and that if I did not view each day as such, I would be ungrateful. I was always wanting tomorrow, or in my case, the weekend. This was a terrible thing because I was neglecting my todays for my tomorrows. Elder Joseph B. Worthlin put it best when he stated, One thing I know for certain, the time we have here goes by far too quickly. Don't waste any more time sitting on the bench watching life pass you by. Each of you has been given the opportunity to enter the door which allowed you to enter BYU. It is now up to you to be grateful for and relish fully your life as a student here. 
and appreciation of each day and of life is dependent upon your ability to notice the things that make up those 24 hours. Most often, the simple aspects of life may be considered dull and uninteresting. You may overlook the commonplace things that may appear meaningless and ordinary. You may thank your Heavenly Father for the very important or necessary parts of your lives or what you may consider the big blessings, and then forget the little ones. Robert Frost expressed this thought in his poem, Dust of Snow. He said, The way a crow shook down on me the dust of snow from a hemlock tree has given my heart a change of mood and saved some part of a day I had rued. On a day he already cursed because it had likely been a happy one, something happened that at first added to his frustration. As the poet was going under a tree, some snow fell on him as it was knocked off a branch by a crow flying into the sky. At first filled with anger, he looked up, only to see the beauty of the black crow as it flew against the contrast of the sky in the background. To him it was very precious, a wonderful moment. So it can be for you when you see all the beauty that exists in your lives. Gratitude for all the Lord has given you enables you to appreciate life and treasure each day you have to spend in this earthly existence. It is unrealistic to ignore that at times there are and will continue to be some days when it may seem impossible to appreciate that particular day and time. Days come when there is disappointment, tragedy, illness, pain, heartache, and suffering. You most likely will wish that day and often the days following would just pass by quickly or that the circumstances causing the pain would never have happened. However, this is not the plan of our Father in Heaven. On days such as these, you must look to your Lord and Savior for sustenance, love, and His atoning sacrifice for all of you. The life of the Prophet Joseph Smith gives us many examples of days of despair, pain, and sadness. While in Liberty Jail and in the depths of discouragement and tribulation, he was told by the Lord in Doctrine and Covenants 122.7 that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. Such it is for you that it needs be that you experience days of sorrow as well as days of joy to prepare you to one day return to your Father in Heaven's presence. They are necessary for your eternal progression. These trials test your faith, endurance, and submission to the will of the Lord and are part of God's plan for you. The mission of a BYU education is to strengthen you spiritually, enlarge you intellectually, build your character, and help lead you to a lifetime of service. When your days are filled with lessons, activities, friends, the gospel, and a multitude of opportunities to serve and bless the lives of others, you can appreciate and treasure each day, whether that day is one of happiness and success or sadness and failure. Service and love are two important ingredients of one's appreciation of life, and opportunities for both are in abundance in our university community. Just as the Lord opened a door for you to be in this devotional today, He will continue to open more doors and can be a beacon of light to follow during your days here. He will make available opportunities and experiences which will enable you to achieve much that will bless your lives each day in areas both secular and temporal. When you seek and listen to the Spirit and follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost, many blessings will be forthcoming. 
your capacity for expanding your horizon of experiences during your time at BYU will be boundless if you but enter the doors which the Lord provides for you, commensurate with your faith. In fact, he has said these doors cannot be shut by others, but you can close them yourself if you choose to shut him out of your life. As you make your way on the paths of life, there will be many of these doors and opportunities attainable to you. Some you can anticipate being open as you make choices and decisions to lead you to them. However, some doors you really would like to open for you may not, and you cannot understand why they don't. I'm sure you can recall something you wanted to be or do or have that never came to fruition. At that time, you may have been disappointed, sad, or even angry. The door never opened, and some others you would desire in the future may not as well. However, the Lord knows your needs and desires to a much greater extent than you do. Some doors may not open at the exact time you desire, but they will open when the Lord sees fit. So you must put your trust in Him and in His wisdom and understanding. Marvelous gateways are open when you keep the Lord's word and center your lives on the teachings of Jesus Christ. He teaches that your life is priceless and precious and your gratitude and appreciation for it will bless your sojourn here. My dear brothers and sisters, I hope that you will treasure each day during your time as a student at Brigham Young University, whether it is measured in weeks, months, or years. Enjoy life. Be happy. Have fun. Be productive. Give service and love to others, and especially be faithful. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Our theme today is Enduring Joy in This Life. We've just heard from Sharon G. Samuelson. After the break, we'll return with David A. Bednar for That They Might Have Joy. This is Finding Center a daily hour of spiritual focus. Our theme today is Enduring Joy in This Life. Next is David A. Bednar, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, titled, That They Might Have Joy. This morning, I arose very, very early, and I'd like to share with you briefly just a few thoughts that may be of some assistance to all of us. I invite you to consider and to connect four things. First, consider the titles used to describe the Lord Jesus Christ by Isaiah. Wonderful. Counselor. Please note the word counselor. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Connect that title of Counselor to this verse from Alma. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and He will direct thee for good. Connect those verses to these lyrics from Sister Emma Lou Thane. Where can I turn for peace? Where is my solace when other sources cease to make me whole? When with a wounded heart, anger or malice? 
I draw myself apart, searching my soul. Where, when my aching grows, where, when I languish, where in my need to know, where can I run? Where is the quiet hand to calm my anguish? Who, who can understand? He, only one. He answers privately, reaches my reaching, in my Gethsemane, Savior and friend. Gentle the peace he finds for my beseeching. Constant he is and kind, love without end. And he shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. With all the energy of my soul, I bear witness that the Lord Jesus Christ lives. These are not words on a page in a book. These are literal, actual, spiritual truths. And as His servant and in His name, I promise you will receive the counseling you need from the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Susan and I are blessed to be here with you today. We love you, and we love Brigham Young University. I desire and pray for the assistance of the Holy Ghost for you and for me as we focus now together on things of eternal worth during this devotional. An important time of learning for me started on this campus in 1970. I attended San Leandro High School in the East Bay Area of California from 1967 to 1970. It was a turbulent time with anti-Vietnam War protests, political assassinations, and social upheaval. The Haight-Ashbury District in San Francisco and Telegraph Avenue near the campus of the University of California at Berkeley were two major epicenters of dramatic drug, music, sexual, and cultural revolutions. Only a few Latter-day Saints attended my high school, and my ward had a very small group of youth. I moved into Hinckley Hall in Helaman Halls in August of 1970 and quickly became acquainted with many diverse and faithful young men and young women. That fall semester was a life-changing time for me because of spiritually powerful sacrament meetings and service in my student ward, stimulating academic classes and supportive teachers, and a strong brotherhood that developed with my dorm friends as we played intramural sports, talked late into the night, and perpetrated typical but harmless freshman pranks and practical jokes. My experience at BYU was spiritually strengthening, intellectually enlarging, and a preparation for lifelong learning and service.
And most important of all, I met Susan Robinson on this campus after I returned home from my mission in 1973. She has been the love of my life for almost 44 years. As I started to think about and prepare for this opportunity to speak with you, I reflected on the devotional experiences I had as a BYU student. Now, I am so old that I remember attending devotionals as a freshman in the Smithfield House before the Marriott Center was constructed. And I have wonderful memories of being in this building as a student listening to and learning from President Harold B. Lee. President Spencer W. Kimball, and Elders Ezra Taft Benson, Boyd K. Packer, Thomas S. Monson, Bruce R. McConkie, and Neil A. Maxwell, and many other inspired and inspiring leaders. Their teachings and testimonies have influenced every aspect of my life, and the Smithfield House and this Marriott Center became two of my most important classrooms while I was attending BYU. The next step in my preparation to speak with you this morning was to study the devotional and commencement messages presented on this campus in 2018 by four of my brethren from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. In March, Elder Ronald A. Rasband emphasized the importance of personal integrity Of particular importance was his instructive invitation to each of us to assess how we understand and exercise the principle of integrity in our individual lives. Elder Rasband asked, When you leave this sacred school setting, what will you be known for? The time to decide your epitaph is not at the end of your career, but at the beginning. Right now, will you be moral, ethical, and honest? Elder Neil L. Anderson in April described and discussed a holier approach to ministering. He highlighted, There is a unique and supernal gift of ministering that can come from someone who loves God with all his or her heart, who is settled, grounded, steadfast, and immovable, in his or her faith in Jesus Christ and in the restored gospel, and keeps the commandments with exactness. Elder Anderson also identified many potential situations that would require courageous ministering in a holier way. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland spoke to the graduating students and their families at the April commencement ceremony. As both a member of the Twelve and a past president of BYU, He reminded the graduates of two vital truths. First, each of us must bridle our personal ambition and focus our talents and energy on accomplishing God's will, as only Elder Holland could declare. Go out there and light a candle. Be a ray of light. Be your best self and let your character shine. Cherish the gospel of Jesus Christ and live it. The world needs you, and surely your Father in heaven needs you, if his blessed purposes for his children are to prevail. You have entered to learn. 
now go forth to serve and strengthen. If correcting all the world's ills seems a daunting task, so be it. Go out there and be undaunted. If we cannot look to you to change the world, tell me to whom we should look. Second, Elder Holland admonished us to be secure in the promise of God's unfailing love for us and the redeeming blessings that flow forever from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in October, Elder Garrett W. Gong encouraged us to look back from the future as a remembrance of things to come. He asked us to go with him to the year 2040 and look back with gratitude on four things we had learned as students in 2018. May we learn how to learn by the Spirit. May we choose and decide in time how best to prepare for eternity. May we offer global experience and training to contribute to every nation, kindred, and tongue. And may we seek and rejoice in spiritual strengthening. Elder Gong counseled us to prepare now for a future that will be here tomorrow. What an extraordinary spiritual curriculum has been presented in 2018 by these four servants of the Lord. Many other inspired devotional speakers also have shared experiences and insights that strengthen faith in our Heavenly Father and His eternal plan and in Jesus Christ and His infinite Atonement. Devotionals constitute an important class at BYU that no one should miss. I pray that you are taking full advantage of the remarkable opportunities you have as a student or employee at BYU to learn from the inspired leaders of the Restored Church of Jesus Christ. You likely will never again in your lives enjoy the frequency of personal teachings from and the close proximity to the men and women the Lord has called to direct the affairs of His Church. Please do not become casual or apathetic about or ungrateful for the unique blessings available to you on this campus. I know well Elders Holland, Anderson, Rasband, and Gong. I was with them 90 minutes ago in a meeting of the Quorum of the Twelve. I am blessed to pray with them, study with them, counsel with them, and learn from them. I witness that they are prophets, seers, and revelators. I personally relish every chance I have to hear my brethren teach the doctrine of Christ and to feel the power of their apostolic testimonies of our living Savior. You have been and will continue to be blessed throughout your entire life by the teachings of the Lord's servants. Our Redeemer has declared, What I, the Lord, have spoken, I have spoken, and I excuse not myself. And though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass away, but shall all be fulfilled. Whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. I recently was in a spiritually powerful testimony meeting and listened intently as a devoted sister declared, I have great joy because of the Father's plan of salvation. 
Immediately obvious to me was the fact that this woman was not simply speaking familiar words. The light that shined in her eyes, the spiritually dignified tone of her voice, her bright and peaceful countenance, everything about her affirmed the truthfulness of what she was saying. She was filled with joy. She radiated joy. Indeed, she was becoming more like the Savior and receiving His image in her countenance, a part of which was becoming joyful. Her expression of faith caused me to remember the lyrics of several familiar hymns. With faith we hold the iron rod and find in this our joy. Come, come ye saints, no toil nor labor fear, but with Joy, wend your way. Tis better far for us to strive, our useless cares from us to drive. Do this, and joy, your hearts will swell. All is well, all is well. O sweet the joy this sentence gives, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in this Christmas season we will sing. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. And joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Since becoming President of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, President Russell M. Nelson frequently has extended an invitation to the people of the world that includes the promise of joy. Our message to the world is simple and sincere. We invite all of God's children on both sides of the veil to come unto their Savior Receive the blessings of the Holy Temple. Have enduring joy and qualify for eternal life. What exactly is this joy about which we sing and teach and which we have the obligation to offer to all humankind? And how is it obtained? Let us now consider together answers to these two important questions. A common dictionary definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. In comparison, the Guide to the Scriptures describes joy as a condition of great happiness that results from righteous living. Interestingly, our gospel perspective helps us to understand that joy is more than a fleeting feeling or emotion. Rather, it is a spiritual gift and a state of being and becoming. For this reason, I describe the sister who bore her testimony as filled with and radiating joy. As a wise and loving father, Lehi taught his son Jacob that the very purpose of mortal life is for all people to have joy. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. 
Adam and Eve summarized the vital lessons they learned from the Eternal Father and from their own experience. Adam declared, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgression my eyes are opened, and in this life I shall have joy, and again in the flesh I shall see God. And Eve said, Were it not for our transgression, we never should have had seed and never should have known good and evil and the joy of our redemption and the eternal life which God giveth unto all the obedient. The Father's plan of happiness enables His children to obtain a physical body and gain mortal experience, to choose righteousness in the presence of evil and temptation, and to assist Heavenly Father with His great plan through honorable marriage and parenthood. Ultimately, at the time of our resurrection, the spirit and the body are to be united, never again to be divided, that they might receive a fullness of joy. I believe the contrast between righteous joy and worldly fun is instructive and helps us better understand the nature of true joy. Joy comes from exercising faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, worthily receiving and faithfully honoring sacred ordinances and covenants, and striving to become deeply converted to the Savior and His purposes. Fun is the result of amusement, playful and often boisterous action or speech, or pleasurable diversion. A day on the rides at Disneyland is fun worthily preparing for and participating in the ordinance of the sacrament is joyful. Joy primarily is spiritual. Fun primarily is temporal. Joy primarily is enduring. Fun primarily is temporary. Joy primarily is deep and rich. Fun primarily is shallow. Joy primarily is whole and complete. Fun primarily is partial. Joy primarily pertains to mortality and eternity. Fun pertains only to mortality. Brothers and sisters, how important it is for us to never confuse or trade the enduring, deep joy of devoted discipleship for temporary and shallow fun. The Redeemer is the ultimate and only source of enduring and eternal joy. The prophet Jacob testified, But behold the righteous, the saints of the Holy One of Israel, they who have believed in the Holy One of Israel, they who have endured the crosses of the world and despised the shame of it, they shall inherit the kingdom of God which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. Because of Heavenly Father's plan and the Savior's atonement, sincere repentance invites us to turn to and depend upon Jesus Christ, the true source of joy. Please consider carefully the response of King Benjamin's people to his teachings about the Savior's atonement. And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking, 
the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord, that he cast his eyes round about on the multitude, and behold, they had fallen to the earth, for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. And they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, O have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins, and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. And it came to pass that after they had spoken these words, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they were filled with joy, having received a remission of their sins and having peace of conscience, because of the exceeding faith which they had in Jesus Christ, who should come. Because of Heavenly Father's plan and the Savior's atonement, Obedience invites us to follow Jesus Christ, the true source of joy. The Savior declared to His disciples, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And no man receiveth a fullness unless he keepeth his commandments. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. Because of Heavenly Father's plan and the Savior's atonement, service invites us to emulate the character of Jesus Christ, the true source of joy. I recently read a statement by President Worthen about deep joy. He said, I have come to believe that one measure of our eternal progress is how much joy we derive from service. Recall the rejoicing of Ammon as he recounted his missionary work among the Lamanites. I have labored without ceasing that I might bring souls unto repentance, that I might bring them to taste of the exceeding joy of which I did taste that they might also be born of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Behold, my joy is full, yea, my heart is brim with joy, and I will rejoice in my God. Behold, how many thousands of our brethren has he loosed from the pains of hell, and they are brought to sing redeeming love, and this because of the power of his word which is in us. Therefore, have we not great reason to rejoice? Now, this is my joy and my great thanksgiving. Yea, and I will give thanks unto my God forever. Because of Heavenly Father's plan and the Savior's atonement, challenges and afflictions invite us to lift up our eyes to Jesus Christ, the true source of joy. The precious perspective provided by the restored gospel allows us to learn lessons that prepare us for eternity through the adversities of mortality. Our suffering and misfortunes can be swallowed up 
in the joy of Christ and consecrated for our gain, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. Thus, joy endures in times and through experiences that are both good and bad because of our knowledge of the Father's plan and of the Savior's atonement. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, obedience, service, and a gospel perspective about the trials we encounter in mortality all invite us to come unto the source of enduring joy, Jesus Christ. Many additional truths could be discussed, but we do not have time today. I invite you to identify, study, and prayerfully ponder additional principles that enable us to receive this important spiritual gift of joy. Enduring joy is not a blessing reserved for a select few. Rather, every member of the Lord's restored Church who is striving to remember and honor sacred covenants and keep the commandments can receive this gift according to God's will and timing. In this Christmas season, may each of us strive to appreciate more fully the supernal gift of joy. I declare my sure witness of the living reality and divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do so joyfully. And in the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for an hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Enduring Joy in This Life, with thoughts from Jose A. Teixeira, Sharon G. Samuelson, and David A. Bednar. Find links to the full text, audio, and video of these addresses at byuradio.org slash findingcenter. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.